Hello and welcome to Life Song Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. I'm Phil Ramsey. And I'm Mike Wells. Mike Wells back in the house again. Yep. Hello, Week Mike. two. Week Taking two. Taking Blake's spot. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's it's really nice to have you here, Mike. Uh, it's It's been real. I, I wonder, I don't know how it's going to go this week. But uh, last week it was it was absolutely amazing. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Blake's gone, we're trying to see: are they going to get rid of Phil? We're going to get rid of Blake. Open That's up right. the seat. That's right. <laughs> I got a chance to listen. That was real. I enjoyed it. It was real. It was, it was real. Re- it was it real. Wasn't, wasn't fake. It was real. <laughs> but uh, it was a good show. And uh, I'm thank you, Jimmy, for throwing me under the bus. You know? about about what? I couldn't be there, so I was chasing the mammon. Yes, you were. Whatever mammon is. <laughs> the dollar. That's what Blake said. <laughs> he said, well, Phil's chasing the dollar. Well, my ox was in the ditch, so. No, it, it wasn't. You were chasing. <laughs> okay, I was. <laughs> but anyway, it was, uh, it was a good show. Enjoyed it. Hey, we miss Blake this week. He's out in Rigby, Idaho uh, on a mission trip. He goes every year out there with Brother Scott Plath and his church in that area. That area is uh, heavily Mormon. What, 98%? Mm-hmm. And so they go uh, every year to do a, a kids' camp, a sports camp to to, uh, to reach the children because that early age is probably where you really want to get them. Yeah. It's real hard to infiltrate that, uh, that Mormon mindset once you uh, get into the adults if they, especially if they've been into their entire life so you can introduce the children to Jesus you've got a chance well yeah. and they would say we serve the same Jesus but that's impossible Jesus I know God and Mary got together and had relations and they had Jesus that's not the Jesus I serve mm-hmm. you know Jesus is, it's a totally different Jesus so yeah. it'll but, be interesting to see here some of his testimony when he gets back share yeah. with everybody next week yeah you could go to uh, he's been putting videos up on uh, Beaver Baptist uh, Facebook page little updates he's been doing every day so you could go on there and uh, take a look at that so yeah, very interesting. Sharing the gospel every day. That's a mission trip, by the way. Absolutely. Yes, is. yes, they're doing sports camp, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, they're sharing the gospel. And that's so right. that's what a mission trip is. Well, I guarantee you anywhere that Blake's at right now, he's sharing the gospel. Yeah. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. I promise you. He could be in Walmart. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go to a store. A couple of weeks ago, Blake said, you ever go to the store? I said, yeah. He said, well, there's somebody there that works the counter. Her name is so-and-so. I shared the gospel with her last night, so you know who she is, what she looks like. So just <laughs> start watering that seed. I said, well, okay. Anyway. Yeah. He'll well, be back. He's actually here now. He just, you know, Sunday is our air day. He's not. He's actually home, but uh, he'll be back with us next week. Yeah, sure will. Um, and we... Uh, uh, like like Mike said, I'll be determining which one of you guys I'm going to be replacing well, if with we, Mike permanently. Well, we're we're recording at Blake's house in his man cave. If so, that that, it, that, that <laughs> means that you're gone. Phil. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll say this: if we don't get this air fixed, <laughs> you don't have to kick me off. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm watching you sweat right now, and it's it's, it's uh, you're dying over there. It's hotter. <laughs> Hotter than a booger in here, man. Well, last week, uh, like you said, we uh, it was. I, I felt like it was really, really good. We had some real good discussion, and uh, we wrapped up chapter five. That's kind of the justification portion of Romans. Can I throw Blake on the bus before we start? Absolutely, he ain't here. <laughs> I was. I think I, I text you. I think we did on a group text. You know, when Blake's here. Jimmy and I, we get to split two minutes every episode. <laughs> so I get to talk a minute, and and Jimmy, you know, he's the, the head man here, but but Blake allows him to speak a minute, too. And so we got a hard task today. Mike, you got some big shoes to fill. Blake normally speaks 58 minutes on every hour program. Are you prepared for 58 minutes? I'm not sure if I'm prepared for 58. <laughs> okay, back to the Romans. All right, I'll give you all five minutes. Here we go. <laughs> No, but we uh, we wrapped up chapter five last week. Uh, the and that wrapping up chapter five that's uh, that that wraps up the justification portion of Romans. We're moving into sanctification in chapter six this week. But uh, really, last week the verses that we covered eighteen to twenty one, Paul just hammered hammered home 
several points, and, and, and like Blake said, he called it his closing arguments. And so he uh, he just hammered home really the point that uh, the law came in right alongside sin and that sin was uh, already present in the world, you know, but the law just comes right alongside the sin. Uh, and uh, but, but sin was already present because of the one transgression of Adam. And so uh, sin was here when the law came, so sin existed without the law, but the guilt in regard to sin was more difficult to pinpoint without the law. Yeah, so let's look at just what y'all been through so far in Romans. So you look at Romans chapter 1 through 3, you have condemnation and sin for the entire human race, and then as Jimmy just summed up in, in chapters 3, uh, through chapter 5 is justification by faith alone, and here we are, chapter 6, and what we're going to be going through the next, what y'all be going through the next uh, coming weeks is going to be all over sanctification. So right. that's what we've been through so far in Romans. Yeah, that's absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and we didn't mention this last week, and I'll mention it now. Uh, and I had it prepared last week, and we just didn't go down that path, but I think it's really interesting to know we've all heard of Paul Bunyan. For our listeners, uh, Paul Bunyan, or not Paul Bunyan. That's Paul the, Bunyan. the guy with the Paul, blue ox. That's the blue ox. John Bunyan. John. <laughs> I've heard well, of let's Paul not, Bunyan. Let's not edit that off the program, please. I'll, I'll be in charge of editing this week. <laughs> John Bunyan. What about John the Bunyan. Green Giant, Jim? <laughs> so what about Snow White? What Chester Cheetah. So, we, so we've all heard of the Keebler Elves. Yeah. No. <laughs> John Bunyan. John Bunyan's probably, he wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. It's the yeah. second best-selling book behind yeah. the Bible. They have a movie now. Yeah, I just came that. out on that. But anyway, what I didn't mention last week was this text that we went up through Romans five eight to twenty one are the texts that saved him. That's how God God used those passages to to save him. He was a he was a sinner with a foul mouth and. Uh, he he was considered to just to be reprobate in the town that he lived in, and one day he overheard women talking about him and how much of a rebel he was and how much of a rude and rough and crude uh, sinner that he was, and it struck him. Uh, it, it struck the reality of his foul mouth kind of hit him in his wicked heart, and he saw the verse, these verses, or those verses that we studied last week in Romans 5, and uh, it just struck him, the reality of it, and he saw it and realized that no matter how much sin increased in his life, that the grace of God superabounded all the more, and that there was hope for a sinner like him, and he was saved. God yeah. used those texts of those verses to save him. Awesome. So, how many verses are we going to try to attempt today? What do we need to read? One. We'll st- <laughs> yeah. We're starting in six and uh, maybe read through. Jimmy, why don't you read? Okay. Uh, I'll read the first seven. Okay. All right. Romans chapter six, starting in verse one. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we die to sin still lit? How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just love you and we thank you so much for this day and and, and the ability to come to the table to study your word. And Lord, we just thank you for this ministry that you have created and you have given us. We don't take it lightly, Lord. We don't take your word lightly and we don't take the responsibility of coming to it and studying it lightly either. So Lord, we thank you for it. And we ask you to illuminate all three of us now uh, to, to the word of the truth of your word so that we may explain exactly what you said through Paul and through the Holy Spirit so we may explain it exactly how you intended for it to mean. So Lord, we just ask you to, to bless this time now. We love you. We give you all the honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Mike, Phil, we, we all can think of people in our lives that that we know or have known at one time who've professed faith in Christ but then then fell away and started walking with the world again right so so here's the question that we're going to begin to start answering were these people saved and then lost or were they saved and later became carnal christians or were they professing christians who really never possessed Jesus to begin with 
So people, the, the, the people that were initially on fire based on an experience, but then they fell away, which to me indicates that they were never Christian to begin with. In Romans 6, we're going to study this as we go through that it has the answers. And Paul's basic thought in this section is it's, it's impossible for a truly saved person to ever be lost again. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Just like, but it, but it's just as impossible for a truly saved person to to live however he wants mm-hmm. in habitual sin. It's not going to happen. Well, and that's that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. And we're going as we walk through that, we're going to let the word tell us that. So we, we're dealing with sanctification. So what, Michael, jump in. What is sanctification? Sure. Well, sanctification, I'm going to look at the difference between what justification, because we just spent a lot of time over the past few weeks talking about justification. And then and what is the difference with sanctification? Because a lot of times those two can get kind of confused. So sanctification is, the idea behind it is to, to separate. It's like cutting something in half. So you have you have two different halves, and, and to, be, uh, to be separated, you are... Um, you're separated from something, which which is sin, and then you're separated unto something, which is God. So there's a separation that takes place. And I think that um, when we look at the two, so justification um, is is the legal standing before God. And we look, we've always talked about when we look at justification, the legal term, being in a courtroom. And, and that has nothing to do with our character or, or our walk um, with, with Christ or how we live our lives. But then when you look at the sanctification where Paul's going with this in Romans chapter 6, that's going to start dealing with my daily walk with Christ and my, my spiritual condition, the heart, the mind, and everything behind it. And there's, there's a process that takes place in sanctification. And then um, justification, that's a one-time deal, right? That happens, that happens once. And then, like I said, sanctification is a continual mm. process. And I know some, some people like to break it down and three different parts you know the uh the the past sanctification the the present and then the future sanctification that takes place and that's a much longer road to go down um but that that's essentially the summary of of the two differences between justification and sanctification and and i'll give you some more i mean just just some things to think about as we go through this justification and sanctification are not the same thing but they cannot be separated right you cannot have sanctification without justification it doesn't happen you don't begin so let me ask this so because some people would think that sanctification comes later on. You justified and then you're not sanctified till till later in life. So is there any type of gap between there? I don't think so. I believe that uh, sanctification begins immediately when, I would, when the sinner is, yeah, is sure, justified. I would, I would agree with that. And so justification is for the sinner, right? Sanctification is for the saint. Repeat that again. Justification is for the sinner. Which we all are. Well, we all are. Yes. We all are, absolutely. <clears throat> but then sanctification is only... And you don't, and you don't want to get them on the opposite tracks, because if you try to get sanctification in front of justification, that's right, called religion, right? right. And that's right. what I'm doing, saying. Doing good things, walking holy in order to get your position—that's the opposite of what Scripture teaches. And we we've been in Hebrews a while back, and I'm trying to think of the bur i mean, the chapter. But he sanctified forever those who were being sanctified. Hmm. Now I'm paraphrasing that. But but justification is a one-time act. Now, hear me out. Guess what? Sanctified. What does that mean? To set apart. So you're sanctified also. You're set apart for God's use. That's a one-time act. Hear me out. Made holy. So when Christ looks down, he doesn't see me. He sees Christ. I'm absolutely holy. Because I'm holy, now I'm commanded to go walk in holiness. And sanctification and, uh, is, a, is a work that, that God does, but, but also at the same time, he tells us to, to obey, to walk in this too. So God ultimately is our daddy, and he is, it says in Romans, we'll get to it, that one thing he has predetermined, and that is to mold us mm-hmm. into the son's image. And when he comes, when we see him, we'll be like him. Guess what? Uh, finished. Yeah. So what you're talking about is, is like I said, there was three that they like to break sanctification down into. So you have positional sanctification, yeah. the one-time act, the initial act of being set apart. When we look at Roman scripture like Romans 6.2, um, how can we who died, right. so that's talking past tense, we, we've died to that. You look at Romans um, 6, 6, and then that says, for, 
for we know that our old self was crucified. You know, so there's right. there's past tense verbs that are being used here. So there's the one time sanctification, and then you move on to the progressive sanctification. So that's the present tense of things. Romans eight thirteen. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So there's a continual putting to death the things in our life that we should be, and that's the work God's doing presently and then the last one is the perfected sanctification future where we one day in our our glorified body with heaven will go and be fully sanctified to the extent that we as humans can be right and so we we just as we as we move forward through these verses and i I like this um this i guess introductory into sanctification before we really get into the text because we've got to understand what these differences are and so we have to know because we spent so much time in justification that this is not the same thing it's not justification causes our salvation the sanctification is the result of that justification it's the result of our salvation so now that we're saved now that we've been justified now god begins to mold us like phil says into the image of his son he's obligated himself to do that in his word that he will cause us to look like christ and so justification changes our a person's position before god and now sanctification changes the person's nature and character and so that's what we're going to start looking at and he doesn't need our permission by the way to do that mike how many kids you got i have three how old is your oldest seven seven okay does 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 your or any of them actually but does your seven-year-old need your permission is it i'm trying i'm it's a girl right yes okay does she need your permission to mold her into who you think she ought to be no so you're obligated as her father to do something. And that's what God does also in sanctification. He he doesn't need our permission right. to do that. So I think it's also interesting to note that uh, and, and feel like this, and, I, and this, I wanted to share this because I know you'd like to talk about experiences. And, you know, there are, there are so many people out there today in, in a religious culture talking about come and have an experience, a religious experience. Well, that's what mm-hmm. sanctification is, really. So not you, 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 There's no experience in the justification. Justification deals with a, with a person standing before God, but sanctification deals with the experiences of a Christian in life. Yeah. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might be increased? Look. Paul's already addressed. He knows what's going to come. He's laid it out. He talks about how grace, God's grace is so much more, so much more than sin. It's super grace. Mm. So there's no sin that grace can't overcome. And as a, as a, as a, a, a believer, God's grace is far better than any sin. So, so he's already he's uh, he's a good lawyer, and he's 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 answering a question before it's even asked. And people are going to twist. So, if God gets glory because of His grace, huh? What can I do to bring more glory to God? Yeah, and and they and they're they're going to twist, and he's anticipating. His words being twisted. So if we sin more, God gives more grace and God gets glory in doing that. So obviously, look, let's sin more. We're hey, let, we're hey, we're doing it for God. Well, right? uh, well, and, and there were people like that. You mentioned it earlier, yeah. and you you kind of antinomians, antinomians, and he's that's that. This was a question that would have been asked by them, and that's why he's saying it. He's preparing for it. These were people who felt like that they had no restraints on them now that they were Christians. Now that they were Christians, there was nothing that holding them back. So it was natural for an antinomian to conclude that uh, because sin abounded and grace superabounded in his salvation, that he should go on sinning so that the Christian, uh, so that God would pour out even more of his grace on it. Yeah, right. yeah. I just get to live how I want to live. Yeah. That's exactly. Antinomian, what that is, anti means against, and nomian means it means law. So it's against law. So antinomianism is the belief as long as as long as I believe in Jesus, I have fire insurance policy. I can live any way I want to. I love his teachings, but I don't have to follow them. And because I don't follow my sin, if I sin his grace increases, so actually uh, I'm doing I'm bringing glory to God by right. living in sin, which, as we walk through the scriptures, we're gonna we're gonna uh, show where that's not correct at all. Yeah, so, another thing we could look at too is: Are we talking about 
habitual sin or one-time sinning? Because we know that we as believers, even after being saved, we still sin. Really? Really? Jimmy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we got to, you know, we're, we're sinners. If we say we have no sin, the Bible says we're liars, right? Right. So we look at here, he says, are we to continue in sin? Yeah. Continue in sin. When we look back at the Greek, the, the word there, continue, is epimeno, mm-hmm. which is the idea of habitual sinning. See, Paul's not referring to that one-time act of sin. Instead, it's the continuous living in the sin that Paul's talking about here. And that's that's something that we need to distinguish. Well, and absolutely. You're absolutely right, because every poor person born in the world has a sin nature. And, and when you're saved, when you're justified, that sin nature doesn't go away. You know, it, it doesn't leave. And so what he's talking about here is not whether uh, a Christian or a believer can still sin at all one time. He's talking about whether a Christian is still a slave to sin. Well, and I, I heard what you're saying. And let me see if you agree or disagree. Sin, we're sinners. You know, Paul, man, he's what? He was the chief of sinner. Now, we have natures. I believe there's two natures. I believe there's a sin nature, right? And then I believe there's a new nature after the birth, you know, a new creation. So so we are sinners, but we're born our nature sin, but we need to have a new nature and we get a new nature when we're in Christ. But when we have that new nature, we still sin. I don't know if I would call it a sin nature as I would flesh well, flesh or what what's another word? What would you say? Or would you disagree? I would think I, you still have the ability oh, yeah. and the nature within you. Now, I know the Bible says that you, but but here's how it's different. Here's how it's different. When you're saved, you're, you're a new creation. You're a new creature, like you said, in Christ. With a new nature. With a new nature. But does it does it do away with the old nature? I, I, it's hard for me to, that, that new nature, you still have the ability to sin, as in your sin nature, but now you have a new nature that gives you the ability to follow Christ and to obey Christ and to not sin. So now you don't have to continue yielding to to the sin that you did before. And so I believe here, sin, and the people Paul are talking about, sin has a dominion over them, and, 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 and the unsaved people in your unsaved state, sin, sin has a dominion over you, and they love to sin. But after salvation, that power of sin is broken in the Christian, so they don't they don't have to obey the sin. They, they don't have to obey the the dictates of the of of Satan anymore. They have the ability not to sin now and obey Christ. Right, and we talked about this a little bit last week, though, that the power that sin has over us, and that we have been set free from from being slaves to sin. And I think that's part of that sanctification that happens is that there is the setting apart. Right, we've talked about that, the being set apart. We are set apart from sin. Well, well what in sin? From its its rule, its its power, and its authority over us in our life. But not just that; we've been set apart from the world. Right, we were once part of the worldly system of, of living according to the world, and we've been set apart from the devil's influence. So, I talked about you've been set apart from sin and set apart unto God, and so that's that's the second aspect of it, and that's kind of the positive aspect of the separation is you're set apart into the image of God, the likeness of Jesus Christ, and the purpose for His kingdom. But there there is, I kind of see both of y'all's points on on having. You do have the one half where you've, you've overcome sin, but there's there's aspects of sin still there. We're still sinners. We know we're sinners because we're not perfect. We have not yet been perfected. That's why there's the process that takes place, the putting to death. If there's constantly a putting to death of sin, then we know that it still exists in our life. What I find interesting is, is the word continue here. The word continue, continuing in sin, it means to abide or to fellowship or to be dependent on. And I think that's that's where this kind of separates himself. This this verse here, what he's talking about, can, can a Christian have the same intimate fellowship with sin that he did as an unsaved person? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. It's a... Uh uh, it means to continue carries the idea of habitual persistence. It's an it's an ongoing. You if you can do that, and we'll we'll probably hit this verse shortly. You know, you get in First John, it's just going to tell you how that is absolutely impossible. 
So let's see if we can come up with an example, though. We're talking about the habitual sinning as opposed to the one-time sinning. And let's see. I'm trying to think of an example right now that would be useful. Okay, well, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. And you know, I, and and it can a, can a person who who was addicted to to sexual sin, let's say pornography, can can a person who's d- addicted to that, and then God comes into his life and wrecks his life, and 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 God saves this person radically through something, whether a person intervenes or whatever happens, God saves this person. Now, as he comes out of that, now as he starts, God starts to to sanctify him because he's justified him. Is he still going to look at pornography immediately after he's saved? I would say probably so, but. There's going to be something new in him now as God is continuing to mold him. There's that new nature that, that, that Phil talks about, and he cannot be okay with it. You know, God, now that Jesus lives in him, God, uh, Jesus and, 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 and sin cannot cohabitate together. And so he's that's that's why there's conviction, mm-hmm. and so this person will continually to be convicted as he and I think over time he'll start through the sanctification process start to do it less and less and less and, until that stronghold you beaten. start to have that struggle between your fleshly <laughs> desires and then the spirit's desires there's that struggle between the two that was the key place. word you said struggle yeah you know before you celebrated sin now a man who's who's saved he struggles with it you know why. Because God Himself lives in the person. You're not, Jesus is not an addition. You are a totally new creation. Absolutely. It's a transformation, not addition. So Christ Himself lives in you. This is why you cannot keep on sinning. And, and, and to, to take it, and I don't want to sound graphic or anything, but just giving you examples, take the person who was saved out of pornography. You know, before, like you're talking about, you celebrated sin, and so before you take that person who had friends and buddies who 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 all watched these videos and they would be texting this stuff back and forth to each other, but the person who is saved and is convicted and God is sanctifying and molding into the image of His Son, and He still has that that sin nature about him and he still looks at that stuff, it, it's going to make him sick. You know, he might still fall and stumble and struggle, but for the first time in his life, it's he's going to beat himself up over it. It's, it's going to kill him because he's done it. You know what I mean? And that is evidence that God is working in your life. You'll never be okay with sin again. Yeah. And think about this. We were just talking a few minutes ago, Jim, about nature and flesh. And we, we may actually mean the same thing if you ever want to get down to it. We, we're sinners. We're not perfect. Right. We're not perfect. So we're still going to struggle with sin. This is pretty neat. Every time the word sin is used uh, in this chapter, in chapter 6, is it now, it refers to the evil nature in the Christian. Now, if you got a pencil, write these verses down in, in chapter 6. One, two, 6, 10, 11, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, 20, 22, and 23, and 23, and substitute sin for evil nature or sin nature. Let's, let's give you an example. Verse 14, for sin, uh, let's take that out, for evil nature will have no more dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Uh, let's do one more, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin, Let's go back. But now that you have been set free from the evil nature, from the sin nature, and have become slaves of God, the fruit of the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. So again, we are we are sinners. If we if we say we don't have sin, uh, we're liars. But one thing that happens is, is we go through these verses. We're gonna we no longer are enslaved to sin. It's no longer our king, our reigning king. You don't have dominion. We've died to that. And if you're dead, you can't live to it. So and, I, and that's going. We're going to talk about it in a second. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, you know, let's just keep moving on though. Uh, I really want to talk about this 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 next phrase. And the first is. Verse two, the very first part of verse two, he says. Some some translation says, "God forbid." Ours says, "May it never be." Yeah. And mine says, "Absolutely not." He's it's it's almost like he's outraged here when yeah. he, when he says that he asked the question and the question that he knows probably going to be uh, coming and being twisted, yeah. and he's outraged. He would probably scream that out. By the way, that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. and he just says, he "Probably broke his pencil on that one." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
But he says, may it never be. God forbid mm. at the thought of the of a Christian, of a born-again believer, of someone who has been justified and gone through this whole process that he's talked about in the first five verses to now say that he would live in habitual sin uh, after, after salvation. Uh, there really probably is not an English word to capture the negative. That, that this means in the Greek, that he meant. Uh, certainly not. Absolutely not. Not at all. By no means. May not, may such a thing never occur. Away with the thought. I like that one mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the definition. Away with that thought. So the idea is that a Christian, uh, the, or the idea that a Christian could continue in sin is just blasphemous almost. To, to live in a nature of sin and be okay with it, just like he did as an unbeliever, and celebrate the sin and continue on not as a changed person is a blasphemous thought. It's inconsistent with God's grace. All right, and then not only that, so ab- my, my translation is absolutely not. And then he goes on and he starts asking these rhetorical questions. He says, how can we who died in sin still live in it? Mm. Right, and so he still has this this energy behind it, like kind of disbelief that that how do you not know these things? Right. Um, has no one not taught you this by now? Like, surely as Christians, we need to understand what this means. And so he's asking these questions, um, and then he starts kind of explaining things out. You know that 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 we. So who's the who's the we that he's talking about here? He he's talking about. Those that have been justified by faith alone, things right. that we've just talked about in previous chapters, and that and that we, as those justified believers, we can't live in sin. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have died to it, and you cannot live in that which you have died to. Absolutely right. So the verse is not teaching that that Christians can't do acts of sin. We all know we sin. We, we talk about that on the front end, so that's not teaching that. It's teaching that there's not a true Christian that continues to be dominated by a sin nature like he was before his conversion. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. God's broken that power. So let me show you. This is how Steve Lawson kind of breaks this thing out. So he, he, he throws it out that there's, there's, first off, there's an objection. Okay, here's the objection. If justification is on the basis of Christ's righteousness, not ours, by grace through faith alone, then we shouldn't continue in sin so that grace might increase. Okay, so here's his answer. No, absolutely not. And here's the reason, because if you died to sin, you can't go on living in it. And that's how I love how Steve Lawson kind of breaks that down. Yeah, if you, if you go back, uh, what you're talking about here, and how, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? So let's 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 zero in on that for just a second. Just just look at the tense here. Mm. It, it, here, the tense is not are dead, but died, have died. It's aorist tense, so it's a one time event that happened in the past. So it's occurred, and so the translation is how shall or it should be how shall we that that are of such a nature as as have such a nature now as regenerative persons. How should we, who have died to sin, how can we live in it anymore? How can we continue to live in it? And and the Christian, like you said, has died. He's dead to it. So it's completed, past. It's perfect, past and present. It's a a perfect thing that's that's happened. And so the death is related. Just It's a relatable thing to Christ's death on the cross. You mean to tell me a dead person can't do anything? I've never seen one. Michelle would be scary. Absolutely, Jim. Died is not in the present tense. We are we are dying to sin. Now, do do we? But let's let's think about it. Every day, do we have the choice to die to sin? Do we? Do we have Do we have a choice to not sin? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do we have the choice to sin? Mm. We do. This is not what that's talking no, about. No. So died, that, that's not a present tense verb like we are dying to sin or a future tense verse like we will die to sin. This is a past tense verb, something that's done in the past. Now, how does this work? You know, we, we, were, we died with Christ. Man, that was 2,000 years ago. How but it's, but it's true. It's true. It was like there was two bodies on the cross. We died right there with yeah. him. And I don't know how that works. I, I really don't. Because we died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. How can I be sitting here uh, in 2019 and at the same time be sitting in heavenly places? Hmm. How's that going to happen? 
So our death, our death, the death that we died, we died in, we're in Christ. We're in him. This is something that happened in the past. And like you said, Michael, if you are dead to something, you cannot live to something at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible. So being dead to sin means that we're dead to the habitual sinning that 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 encompasses a uh, a non-believer. A non-believer is not dead to that. They're they're alive to habitual sinning, right? Does that make sense? So what does it mean to go on habitually sinning? A Christian is unable to sin over and over and over again uh, in in areas of his right life. So so although the sin nature has been judged already, it's still in the Christian and alive in the Christian. Right, we still have the ability. I know we, we're, we're we're talking about different words here, Phil, but uh, God has positionally broken the power of of the sin nature, and so the Christian doesn't have to obey it in his experience anymore and in his life anymore. So before salvation, we talked about this, but before salvation, he was a slave to sin and bondage to it, obeying the sin and and, and loving it. And now, because the Christian is a true Christian, a believer who has really been justified, uh, has died to sin. When he does sin, he's going to hate it. He's he, he's gonna he wants to be delivered from it. It's gonna make him miserable. He wants to conquer whatever sin that he continually commits. And 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 I wouldn't say it was in a, a continual habitual state, but it's just the the stumbling and the falling, uh, and the and the struggle uh, that he has now as a believer. So no Christian's ever gonna completely conquer sin in this life, but he will have a desire to conquer it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you don't have a desire to conquer it, then that's that's the difference between believer and non-believer. You're going to have the want and the desire. So what? So let me ask a question. What if a Christian does yield to this evil nature? But he has an advocate. We know that God's made provision for it. Yeah, he has. First John, you brought it up earlier. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." God's desire is that is that we don't yield to the sin nature. You know, he doesn't want a believer to yield to the sin nature, but he says, my little children, these things are right to you that, that you not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation of our sin. So if a Christian does sin, if his, if he does act in sin, God's provided the death of Christ, which cleanses when confession is made. Man, that, that just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. <laughs> that's good stuff yeah it, it is. is good stuff and you were right you, you said something about ephesians a few minutes ago there's a difference but between uh, ephesians 2 it says we were dead in sin question who on earth was dead in sin everyone the whole planet is dead in sin but in this verse it says we're dead to sin. So you have two prepositions. You have two totally different meanings. When you're dead in sin, you're dead. You're, if you look up the word, we've said it before, it actually means non-responsive. It's corpse. The word corpse is used. Mm-hmm. You're dead. You're, you're disconnected. You're separated from God. You're dead in sin. But now after salvation, we're dead to sin. What does that mean? The power of sin. The power, sin has no more power over us. Mm. You cannot be dead. You cannot be dead to sin and at the same time live in it. It absolutely is impossible. One of my favorite verses, uh, it is is so true. It's 1 John 3, 9. And I'm going to kind of break some verbs in here. I'm going to break them down real quick. This just proves that when you said it, y'all both said habitual is the key. If you're living a life of habitual sin, which means an unbroken pattern of continual sin, if that's your life, well, then First John speaks of that. It says, no one who is born of God practices, okay, practices sin. Present tense equals habitually. No one who is born of God practices sin. Because his seed abides in him. Okay, that abides, present tense. What does it mean? It means continually. No, let me just keep going. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, who is that? Christ. Because his seed abides continually in him. And here's another word. He cannot, 
He cannot sin. What does that mean? This is present tense also habitually and in the Greek word for not indicates absolutely not continue to live a lifestyle of, of sin. It's impossible because he is born. He is born. What is that? That's perfect tense. Past completed action with continuing results because he has been born of God. So what does that mean? A saved person cannot continually live in sin. If he does, because God's seed, God's seed is in him. If he, do, if he does, he has not been born of God. It's impossible. It, it, it is impossible because God, like you said, God sees in him and God has obligated himself to, to sanctification and to molding a person into the image of Christ. And so if, if you continually sin and you don't have any remorse, there's no remorse to it. There's no, there's no continually, uh, or there's no continuation of your, of your not sinning. Then there never was the conversion to begin with. Before we were saved, what do we do? We, we, chased, we chased after sin. That's yeah. what we did. Now that we were saved, guess what? Sin chases after us. Mm, that's, that's good. But here's the deal. It has no power over us. Before, look, in Adam, guess what? Sin and death reigned. In Christ, we've been freed from that. And now it has death has no, and death and sin has no more power it's not king in his life. We've been set free. So if we if we sin as a believer, look, man, don't do it. You have the ability. You've been set free from that. It's no longer your king, so don't do it. So just to recap, may it never be. Strongest negative. He screams it out. No, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> How shall we who die to sin live in it? It's impossible. You can't... You, if there's a death, Jimmy, if you die today, can you live tomorrow? Nope. It's impossible. Y'all are going to have to take care of my family. and, and well, uh, Let's pray you don't die, Bubba. <laughs> so if you're dead, you can't live. These right. are two things that can't coexist together. Absolutely. We're dead to sin. So now we can't live in sin. It's impossible. Again, we covered that. Verse 3. That's right. So he, he, asked that, he asked that first question. Then he goes on to his second question. Let's look at this verse 3. He says, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And so, so going back to it, he says, Surely somebody has explained to y'all what your baptism means to you. And, and see, this is, this is crucially important for all of us as believers is that, is that when Christ died, and I know Phil kind of touched on this earlier, is that, but when Christ died, uh, be believers in this crucial sense, we died in him and with him him right. back on the cross okay right. so there's this union with christ that that makes what happened to him valid for us in him when he died we died wow. so so you are baptized into christ jesus you are you're placed into christ and whatever's true of jesus is true of us as believers and then there's there's no dis disconnect there um and, and then he goes on um later i think it's, let's see verse can I go to verse 4 real quick? Okay, so he says, Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. So so we, we died with Christ and then we rose with Christ, sorry, be believers in some crucial sense. Now we were made alive in him, mm -hmm. right? So the believer's union with Christ not only means that we died when he died, but that in his resurrection, our new life to God was secured. So in some sense here, we, we died with him and we come alive uh, to God with him. I think um, <clears throat> probably the most difficult words to define in Scripture are the words in or into yeah. mm -hmm. two over 200 times those words are used in the new testament paul uses them 164 times by himself whether it's whether it's in whom or into christ or in him or in christ jesus he uses it over and over and over again expressing the fact that the the christian has been baptized into christ or put in like mike said into union with christ That's and cute. so the, the, the concept of union with Christ, it, it's, it's difficult to define, but it is key for us to understand 
Christianity and our sanctification and this progressive victory over sin in our lives, we have to understand what it means. And so these prepositions in and into are, are important, and we can't just look over them because they're small words. And so uh, this this baptism, it means a lot, it, this baptism into Christ. And you, you kind of summarized it there, but we can dig deeper. Sure. And also, look, believers, they're commanded to become in practice what we are in Christ. So we're, we're, we've talked about this over and over, but dead to sin and now alive to God, right? We, we've risen with him in his resurrection. And and Paul here, he, he's not drawing this conclusion that our obedience that we have to Christ is some type of uh, automatic thing that's happened. It's automatic from our death and resurrection with Christ. He's not saying, look, since you guys all died to sin in Christ and are alive in God in Him, there's no need for me to command you to do anything. And, and there's no act of obedience that's involved here. There's only an automatic outcome of sinlessness. You died to sin, so automatically you don't sin. That's, that's not what Paul's saying here. It's not what he's saying at all. Instead, he says, look, you died, so consider yourselves dead. You're alive. So look, consider yourselves alive to God. You are, so now become what you are. Right. So so let's let's keep in mind that this baptism that he's talking about here has absolutely nothing to do with water. Well, if it does, then we need to erase uh, the previous few chapters, right? Because it totally voids all of that out. This has this this text. Now there's texts that talk about water. This is just not. This isn't one of them. That's by right. the way, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I would say this is, you know, many of the Christians, the, the Roman Christians that he were writing to were absolutely ignorant of the fact that they had been baptized into Christ. And that's why he's putting it in here. Basically, what he's saying is that a Christian and these Roman Christians that they don't understand, they're not merely a justified believer. But they, they have, there's someone that has entered into this, this personal union with Jesus Christ. And that means more than just being a, a, a regenerated believer that is now, and you're not lost, but now you're saved. You've been justified. Well, there's more to it than that. There's more to it. You're now in union with Christ. And so Paul wants to show, uh, that, that how a Christian, that he's died to sin, that he's actually died to sin, and to show that a Christian now has been baptized into Christ's death, that, that because of that, he's a sharer of his death to sin. And so so this baptism has nothing to do, like I said, with water, but it's a spiritual baptism, and it's an, it's an act that places a person into Christ. Well, and y'all both said the word. The key word here is union. I mean, that's, that's a big word. I mean, I was just sitting here looking at first. First Corinthians uh, ten two, and all were baptized into Moses. Hmm. So what what does that mean? When, when the followers of Moses, he represented what God. He was a prophet. He spoke for God. You know. So they they were in union with Moses, baptized in, in, into Moses and what he was doing. The same way we are baptized into Christ and what He has done. We are. Uh, it's a spiritual baptism, you know. It, this has nothing again to do with water. So, and a lot of people will will take this and kind of go with that. Let me just say that, that, like I said before, water baptism is not what this is talking about. Water baptism is a is a physical act that 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 cannot put a person into Christ, right? It doesn't put a person into Christ. Something a lot of people do believe it does, but it doesn't. Others agree that here that the baptism refers to spirit baptism, and so. The meaning of the word baptism means dip, mm -hmm. right? It means to dip, but that's not the only meaning of the word. And if you start looking at the Greek and examining what it means here in this text, it doesn't mean to dip. It means to identify. Galatians three says, uh, Galatians three twenty seven says, for many of, as for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Yeah. So spirit baptism happens to every Christian the moment he believed. It's, it's actual fact. It's an actual and a positional thing. It has results in a Christian's experience. So it's positional in that it's true of every believer, right? And it's, it's so, so the purpose of this spirit baptism is that the moment pers a person believes on Christ, the Holy Spirit identifies that person with Christ and puts him in union with Christ so that he becomes one with Christ. Does that make sense? Y'all follow well, think about Think about this. John 17, he's praying. I pray that they be one yeah. as we are one. But guess what? The key to the Christian life is in Christ. 
in Christ. So to kind of summarize everything that we've just been through, the first three verses here, the Paul has uh, he's lived in light of the fact that that he's died to sin in Christ, and that that takes us to Galatians two twenty. You know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life now that I and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So he clearly, Paul clearly understood that the power of sin had been broken at the cross. Yeah. It became it became reality for him at his conversion when he was put into union with Christ. And so now Paul knew that 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 he would sin at times. He would, you know, he says that why do I do the things that I, you know, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and not do the things I want to do? So he knew that he would sin at times. He wasn't ignorant of that truth or that fact uh, that that he no longer had a sin nature, but but he knew that he was no longer a slave to sin. He he knew sin remained in him, but it would never again reign over him right so that that's big paul knew that that he could begin to defeat it progressively that sanctification because god had broken its power over him and so we've got to live in the light of that fact too that 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 we have positionally died to sin and now we stand in christ so paul understood that even though he died to sin he was no longer a slave to sin and uh, as we're we're out here on 59 Highway, 59 West, is that right, Jim? Your mama lives on this road somewhere, don't she? That's right, somewhere. <laughs> 59 West. Let's just say on this side of the road, on the uh, north side of the road, there's a field. And on the south side of the road, there's another field. On the other side of the road, Satan owns that field. I used to work in that field. And there was a road in between us. And so that was his jurisdiction that field now because of justification and the new birth and the new nature i'm over in god's field satan has no more jurisdiction power or authority or rule over my life yeah he can holler across the street hey phil come over here but he has no more power because i'm in christ i'm in a new field Mm. i'm in him i'm not in adam i'm in christ so i've been set freed i've been freed from from death because of Christ. Yeah, that's that's. You know, I mean, I, I was a slave to, to Satan. Now I'm a slave to Christ, and now I've been set free from from all of that. So now, when I live this life in Christ with my new nature, and I and I struggle with sin, and sometimes I do, uh, it's because I choose to. Mm. I choose to obey what my flesh wants versus what God what God has said. Yeah. And that, but really, after salvation is really when you're only free. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think they're free That's when a they're good not saved. You're really set free. Outside of Christ, you could do nothing but sin. Everything you put in the good category, God says, That's sin. I helped an old lady. Yeah, that's sin. <laughs> it really is because it's done in the flesh. So when you're set free from that, you're in Christ now. You're free to. to Obey or disobey, and there's consequences. You know, you're free. Yeah. Let me let me say something. Every Christian's a dead man. Yeah, every Christian is a dead man. Let me, let me explain it. Uh, the illustration that uh, years ago, a missionary was leaving for England to go to Africa, and and he he run across this guy. He had to change boats uh, during the course of his trip, and and he told this guy that was in this new boat. He, he asked him where he was going, and he said, "I'm going to to such and such area of Africa." And he said, "Man, you don't want to go there. That's a fever infested part of Africa. You will die if you go." Well, this guy was a missionary, so he was going to pour his life out for the Lord. He was going to 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 live for the Lord and go and and do the things that God has called him to do. And he said, "Man, you're going to die if you go to that place." And the missionary looked at him and he said. I died before I left London. Yeah. Man, so good. a Christian is a dead man when it comes to sin, self, and the world because we've died positionally at the cross and we died in reality and actually at conversion. So we're to live our lives being that we believe in that we're dead men. Only when you die can you live. Yeah. Can I quote you, Jimmy? Uh, what sure. you, well, I won't quote you, but you sent me a verse this afternoon and I thought it was really good. John 12, 24 through 25, and we'll end on this. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yeah. So 
question is, have you died? Have you died? Mm-hmm. That's, that's my prayer. Because if you haven't, it's, it doesn't end well. Yeah, if you don't know Jesus, if you're listening to us right now, and you don't know Christ, you need to trust him for salvation. I mean, that's just the, that's the, that's the, the crux of it. Because when, when you do that, at the very moment that you do it, the Holy Spirit's going to put you into union with Christ. You will share with his death to sin and his resurrection power to life. Without Christ, you're dead spiritually. But with Christ, you will become spiritually alive and experience the resurrected and living Christ in your everyday life. And that's the truth of it. Yeah. Hey, man. Well, uh, Michael, good to have you with us today. Absolutely. I've enjoyed these past two weeks with you, you guys. Did, you did well. Uh, well, you can come back next week, and I'll take the week off. You mm. filled in for for <laughs> Phil. You filled in now for Blake. You can fill in for me next week. I'll just take the week off. You, you can't. You're the only one that gets paid, Jim. Well, never mind. From who? Well, it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Your reward's in heaven. Your spiritual okay? rewards. That's right. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. You can uh, you can uh, go to our website, lifesongradio.com, and we'll try to get that updated fairly quickly, uh, as soon as we can. Be sure and tell a friend about the show, and uh, we'll see you back here next week at this time. Let me, let me close this in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it, uh, it's truth. It's just truth, Lord. And we, we've learned today that uh, the key, the key to it all is to be in Christ. And to be in Christ, uh, we die. We die. When salvation is free, it costs us our life. And like Paul said, he's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer him that lives, but Christ in him. Lord, I just thank you uh, for the guys at this table. I thank you for their their diligence and uh, knowing the word and dividing the word. I, I pray for Blake as he's uh, coming back from his trip in uh, Mormon country. I just pray that the seeds that were thrown there will land in fertile soil and, uh, and, and the seed will produce fruit. Lord, again, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've done every devotional, been every place emotional. Try to hear a new word from God, and I think it's very odd. And will I attempt to help myself? My Bible sits upon the shelf with every promise I could ever need. And the word was, and the word is, and the word will be. tailored suit doesn't fit across the shoulders will it fade when it gets older we throw ideas that aren't in style in the salvation army pile and search for something more to meet our needs Persecuted but not abandoned We are no 